Welcome to Aligned Attraction, the go-to intimacy podcast for powerful women. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lee Noto, master intimacy coach and psychedelic therapist, and I help powerful women like you unleash your wild feminine power so you can create heart-throbbing love. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts on love, sex, and relationships, and I'll also coach women like you to create the most delicious transformation in their love lives. You ready? Oh, hey, gorgeous. So nice to have you back. Today, we're going to be talking about why are we so afraid of intimacy and what are the implications that this long-standing collective fear has had upon us? This is something that I have uh, felt very challenged by in earlier parts of my life and shit. There are still moments today where I feel afraid to be seen by someone or afraid to be known so what's at the core of this fear of intimacy? Well, for most of us, there's a fear of judgment. There's a fear of rejection. There's a fear of loss of love. What does that look like ultimately from a biological perspective, right? So when there's a fear of rejection or loss of love, there is a chance that we will, quote, be kicked out of the tribe. And if we're kicked out of the tribe, then that really hurts our chances of survival. And evolutionarily speaking, to the the ancient part of our brain, that means death. So losing love, not to our conscious minds, but to our subconscious minds, can equate to death. So it's no wonder that we are all, well, I can't say that we're all, but that for so long, many of us have operated from a place of doing whatever it was we needed to do to hold on to love, even if that meant not showing our true selves, if that meant putting on a performance, saying what we think we need to say, doing something manipulative. So let me just start by saying this is a a judgment-free zone. I have used every trick in the book. I've pulled out every rabbit from my hat of doing what I thought I needed to do to keep love from manipulating, lying, using sexual acts and my sexuality to keep someone around. These were all the things that in earlier parts of my life, I thought I needed to do to keep someone there for me, with me. And I recount it now with a lot of neutrality. But when I looked back on those times in my life, it felt heartbreaking that that was the impression I had, that that was at some point in my life what I had learned I needed to do in order to be in relationship and to receive love. So what is the stem of all of this? Well, all of this starts with intimacy with ourselves. So the extent to which we are willing to see and be with ourselves is usually the extent to which we will allow others to do it. Others that are in uh, our trusting inner circle, at least. And so the extent to which we can see ourselves, be with ourselves, no matter what comes up, no matter what kind of day we're having, how we're feeling, what thoughts are trickling through our minds, how our faces, our bodies look, how we smell, how we sound, what we said, what we did or didn't get done that day, the extent to which we can hold ourselves in unconditional love 
no matter what comes up, is usually the extent to which we can give love and see others truly with unconditional acceptance and is usually the extent to which we can allow others to see and hold us in that way. And so we can only see others as deeply as we're willing to see ourselves. And for most people, and I'll speak from personal experience, for much of my life, I was not willing to see the things that I didn't want to see, the things that were seemingly inconvenient or were a burden or would make me seem less quote unquote perfect. So I hid those things away. And the result of that was that, sure, I showed up in a lot of relationships, romantic and non, with an exterior, with a facade, with a veneer of needing to seem a certain way because I feared that if someone didn't perceive me the way I thought they needed to, then they would withdraw their love. And what would happen to me if that were the case? And as a result, because I had that veneer on for how I saw myself and how I presented myself to the world, I showed up in a lot of relationships with a lack of presence because I was always looking for certain things to see in them. And because I wasn't truly there for myself, I wasn't truly there for others, not past romantic partners, family, friends, etc. And so what are we doing in all of this time if we are not truly there in presence with ourselves and with others? Well, this might sound familiar, but many times we're overthinking or we're obsessively thinking and we're living lost in thought in creating this life that is completely driven by our perceptions of things. Now, that's what life usually is. But our perceptions of things tend to be different when we're willing to see ourselves with compassion and with love, and when we're willing to see others in that way too, as opposed to being lost in thought of how we think we need to be or how we think the world around us should be. That definitely creates a different reality. A lot of times when we're not in the place of true intimacy, we're judging ourselves and we're judging others. We are participating in addictive behaviors, whether it's an addictive thought pattern, uh, an addictive behavior around technology use, eating. I mean, I've done all of these things. Uh, We are participating in distracting thoughts and in numbing behaviors because there is a fear of seeing ourselves and checking out what's under the hood and potentially not liking what we see and not knowing how to hold space for ourselves in that kind of experience, how to hold the tension or discomfort with what's under the rock when all the creepy crawlies come out. And a lot of times when we are outside of intimacy and presence, we're also in a sense of speediness, restlessness, or complacency. The either I don't have enough time, I can never make a change, I don't know how, I don't have the tools. All of these thoughts appear for us as well as an underlying sorrow. Even if we can put a good game face on day to day, there's this underlying sorrow that simmers across the surface and we're we're never able to truly drop in. There's always somewhere else we need to be or something else we need to be thinking of or doing as if we have this map in our mind and we're never truly in the destination or place where the hidden treasure is. And side note, the hidden treasure is always there. It is always there. We're always standing right on top of it. We're always in it. 
We always are it. And so what are the implications of this running away from, this escape from being in presence, in love, in acceptance, in intimacy with ourselves and others? Well, what ends up happening, and I I love um, one episode of Tara Brock's podcast where she talks a lot about this, is we're constantly running away from our life, from our bodies, from our hearts, from our truest and deepest desires. We're we're running away from our own wilderness, our own wild nature, our primal instinct, our intuition, because there's always something else to do, to be, to think of. We're running away from our angst, but also from our creativity, from our passion and freedom, from true love. This is a place of disconnection and separation that ails so many people and that I have experienced for most of my life without even knowing it. And so the question I come here today to ask and that I ask often in my life is, what do we do about this? What do we do about the disconnection and separation that we're creating that is not inherently there, by the way? It is only there when we place the roadblock in the way. And so how do we simply remove the roadblock so that the natural state of love and joy and pleasure and ease and flow can be present for us? So, you know, I have a number of practices that I keep, but I want to share some really simple ones that you can do right now. First one is hug someone. And I know we are in challenging times. So if there's no one available for you to hug or to be hugged by, then hug yourself. I often wrap my arms around myself and hold myself there. And I'm doing this now with right arm over left, and then I switch and do left arm over right. And I just grab my arms and grab my shoulders. And I feel what it's like to have a real person in my arms and what it's like to be held. This living, breathing body, this real genuine embrace versus one of those pat someone on the back hugs or giving the the side shoulder hug, like really just being there with myself or with someone else in that moment, in that embrace and breathing. This allows me to come back to my presence, my true nature. Also, making a practice of expressing tenderness and compassion toward ourselves and toward others. That was something that I really had to tap into this morning because I woke up on the shit wrong side of the bed and it was helpful to be gentle with myself this morning, to go slow, to journal, to tap into the practices that allow me to remember that I am a being of love at my core. Sure, do I have some shitty feeling thoughts and feelings and sensations sometimes and sometimes often? Yeah. And those practices this morning, the practice of tenderness, of placing my hands on my body, of going slow, of remembering that I want to show up for myself today in a way that's gentle and nurturing, really allowed me to tap into the space between my racing thoughts around what I need to get done or what I need to do to quote unquote, be worthy today. Being with our emotions, that's another super powerful practice and way of being. 
even if it means being with the feeling of sadness or discomfort or angst or grief or anger or joy or orgasm or elatedness fully in that experience for 10 to 15 seconds, letting all other things cease to exist in those moments really helps us build our energetic and emotional muscle to be present with ourselves. And of course, that translates to our ability to be present with others. So holding that tension or that feeling there can allow us to build on it so that we can build the capacity for presence and acceptance. I love a daily being with myself practice. And that means finding some way, whether it's a meditation or a moment-to-moment choice for presence, paying attention to the moment on purpose. And it doesn't matter for how long, but just creating a regular rhythm of pausing and reconnecting. That's what counts the most. So let's try it for a moment, even for 10 seconds. Just allow your face to soften. Notice what expression you might have been holding. Take a deep breath in, expanding the belly out. Feel your body breathing. Maybe just touch your body wherever your hands feel like going. And just being with whatever's coming up for even the next 10 seconds. Even if you don't know what's coming up, even if thoughts are coming up or a jitteriness, a feeling of distraction, a feeling of peace and contentment, letting it be whatever it is. And when you've noticed that, if it feels good, Letting a smile turn up onto your lips because you fucking did it. (laughs) Talk about presence and just being with whatever happened to be there for you. So take a deep breath. Let it out. There are some mantras that I really enjoy here. And I, I borrow on some of these from Tara Brock again. She says, when I walk half as fast... I notice twice as much. This is a real push for slowing the fuck down. (laughs) We notice so much. My partner, Ani, and I were talking about this yesterday as we were out on the river um, in in Austin, Texas. We were like, what if we just had all of our strategy meetings here? Instead of sitting at home in front of a computer, what if we came down to the river where there's a waterfall and nature all around us. And this is where we used our time to create our strategy for our business and for our life. Imagine what other things would appear real for us or appear as options if we slowed down, right? Would we notice twice as much? Would there be twice the availability of amazing creative ideas? So we're going to give it a try. I have no time to rush. This is another mantra that I love. There's no time to rush. I mean, ask yourself this. When was the last time rushing really served you well 
for a sustainable amount of time and left you feeling energized and replenished and in joy. The moment right now matters as much as any other moment in the universe. If I can't notice the mystery right here, right now, I'll miss other things. So I've noticed my own tendency to race to get to the moment where I complete something, the moment where I get to be in pleasure later because work is over or because something is done. But what is here for me right now in this moment? What mystery or joy or contentment or learning is here for me right now? Can I create intimacy with myself in this moment? Can I create intimacy with this moment no matter what comes up? And the big thing here is that all of these practices help bring us into deeper and greater embodiment so that we can embody joy. And joy doesn't just become a concept that we talk about that's nice. So that we can embody pleasure, we can embody ecstasy, we can embody anger, we can embody sadness, and we can enrich and enlarge in the spectrum and range of our own human experience. So all that to say, intimacy doesn't have to be a big scary monster under our beds. In fact, it might be just a little, a cute tiny teddy bear that if we allow ourselves to be seen by ourselves firstly and then by others, it can really pave the way to create the most fulfilling human experience ever. And again, for me, if that's not what I'm doing in this life, then I don't know what the fuck I came here for. So with that, much love and good vibes to you. And I'll see you in the next episode.